With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Jerry Sherwin, and I am a writer at Blackheart Gold Pants. Joining me on the pod today is managing editor Max Brecky and the master of the morning after, Jordan Hansen. Boys, what's going on? Hey. Hi. What's up? <laughs> Not much. How you doing, Max? How you doing, Jerry? Well, I just had some. Uh, I just had some candy corn, so I'm doing great. The worst candy in the history of all of the candies. Uh, candy corn is so bad. Who you actually eat that? Yeah, I love candy corn. I have like two bags in my house. You should be shot. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand what what the, why do you like candy corn? What is it about that whole entire candy in and of itself that you enjoy? Uh, that it's delicious. I don't know. I just I just love it. Something I something I like. I, I look forward to it every year at about this time and right now is that time of the year that I get to have it. And So it's your it's your pumpkin spice latte, but in a candy version, because you don't eat it all year long, just now? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I And that it works, because I don't like any pumpkin spice to anything. I don't like pumpkin-flavored things, so it works that I have my one fall vice, and it happens to be candy corn. Does that mean you're a peeps guy when Easter rolls around? No, no. I used to be when I was a kid, but uh, I, I can't handle the sugar anymore. Sugar is... That's a lot of sugar. That is a lot of sugar... Um, but yeah, I'm a little disappointed in the candy corn thing. You almost threw me off for a loop then, but now that I know that you just start off every show as hey, but this candy corn thing's kind of shaking me a little bit. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like you. Uh, I mean, me with a hot take? No, never. No. You seem like, um, some kind of guy that likes coconut in his chocolate. That's, that's the kind of guy I see you as, Max. No, that's, yeah, that would be terrible. I, I am not that guy. I'm also not a pineapple on pizza guy if we're trying to get into, like, really hot takes. See, that's just a bad take. It's good. No, I disagree. It's pineapple on pi- doesn't go on pizza. Why? It, fruit doesn't go on pizza. Final is answer. It, is, okay, I've had two different experiences with this. I've had cold pineapple on pizza and, like, a hot pizza, and I didn't mind it. But when the pineapple was hot, it was gross. I don't know. What was that? That was noise? the pizza. That was the pizza guy driving <laughs> behind Jordan's house, right? There. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> yeah, I shut the window now. We we're, we should be good. All right. All right, guys. Let's just get into this Northwestern game. I think we're kind of just delaying it because it sucked so much. I wrote about it on Saturday after the game. It was that whole entire time. I was just sitting there thinking to myself, "Why am I watching this? Why do I even bother to write about this? Why am I not taking a nap?" And I wrote four reasons as to why naps were awesome, and one of them was that you don't have to watch this Iowa team crap the bed after a bye week. Yeah. Uh, so, 
I was just gonna say you but, didn't pay to go to the game. I was there in person, so I don't feel bad for you even a little bit. Well, let's start with you then, Max. What was the what was it like inside the stadium? Because obviously it was a fifty fifty split, and that's probably me being generous of Iowa Hawkeye fans and Northwestern fans in that in at Ryan Field. What were you thinking as the game was going on? Did you think this was going to be a blowout after the first two drives when the offense looked like it was going to just continue to do, especially with Akram Wadley, that they were going to continue to do what they did last year? Kind of, you know, what were you thinking? And as the game went on, did the the, the air just get sucked out of the place? or? Uh, so making matters worse, I missed the first drive completely. And oh, then uh, only saw part of the second drive. I was supposed to be sitting in the south end zone where my ticket was. Uh, MNW, who we had on last week, uh, he ended up texting me saying, hey, we're over here. There's a bunch of open seats by where we are. Just come hang Shocker. out. Shocker. Yeah, right. Uh, he said, come hang out with us. And so I was in, my pr- in the process of moving uh, across the stadium, and I happened to miss, like, you know, the two positive drives that Iowa had until halftime. Uh, so I don't know anything about that, but it, it was not, it wasn't fun. Like, I don't think anybody was having fun for the majority of that game. I think I was having a lot less fun than everybody else just because I knew that the pressure was on me as the only Iowa fan within like 10 feet of me. Uh, I, I was like, you know, the source of ridicule if anybody wanted to do that, but it was it wasn't fun. There wasn't a whole lot of air in the place until Northwestern finally started putting it together at the end of the game when Iowa's defense was just exhausted and letting them you know do what do as they pleased. I I don't recommend ever going to Ryan Field. That's that's what I have to say. Jordan, you obviously watched from home. You did the rewatch as well. What did you see the second time around and? Where are you at right now currently with this Iowa Hawkeye team? I'm just out, man. I I mean, I want to be in. I really do. I really, really do because I I think there's some people – um, on this team, some players on this team that you know are a lot of fun. But I mean, just missing Josie Jewell was huge. Uh, Kevin Ward's small. Like I, I didn't realize how small he was, but he is a small dude. <laughs> and he was just getting he was getting manhandled. And I mean, I thought Ben Nima played good on the defense as far as in the middle linebacker spot. And you know, I just. It's just frustrating, man, because especially, like, once you start getting into that second half and Iowa starts running, like, weird reverses and just, like, you know, two-yard losses for Akron Wadley and stuff. It's just it's just frustrating. It's just so frustrating. Yeah, actually, a funny note on uh, Ward being a small human and wearing the number 26 is uh, MMW's like, you guys are running a lot of nickel today. And I went, no, that, that, <laughs> that dude's a linebacker. So, I mean... Yeah, that, he he's a lot smaller than I actually thought he was. But I've also, I've also never seen him. Josie Jewell was dressed for this game. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah, and he went through warm-ups too. And even going into the game, they were still showing Josie warming up to kind of give you the effect that like he was going to play even though all the sources out there were saying that he wasn't. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, maybe Josie, you know, they can't, they're, they're seeing something. They You know, he talked the coaches into it. He was standing next to Kirk during the, uh, the national anthem. And I think that ultimately did have an effect on the game because in the second half, Northwestern started picking on the middle of the field. Yep. Yeah, no, I'd agree and with that. That that ended up being huge for them. I, I mean, they were they outgained Iowa on the day and in the second half. Iowa had like I don't know, it was like seventy four total yards or something like that in the second half. Two point seven yards on the ground after Akram Wadley looked like he was maybe 
two two string or shoestring tackles away from breaking it once again on those first two drives. I mean, it it was so aesthetically non-pleasing that entire day on offense. And once again, the defense did just enough for Iowa to win that game, and they they crapped the bed. It's the best way to put it. I mean, I, I was just running over something earlier um between those uh first two drives and the last drives i ran 30 plays for 123 yards and 61 of those came on uh that throw to matt vandenberg so i mean that's just that's atrocious that's like that's like beyond atrocious that's just embarrassing especially against a northwestern team that you know they have a decent defense but they're not anything like world beating this isn't wisconsin or even you know michigan or something like this is this is northwestern man it's bad no, Northwestern is, I mean, they're a middle-of-the-pack defense. They allowed 370 yards per game after that one. So after the Iowa game in which they only gave up 312. 312. So they, they got lowered from whatever it was before this week just a little bit. But it was three, it's about 370 right now, and they, it's not good. I, I, I say this a lot in the exact same tone as I kind of whisper, it's not good, and it's just, it isn't. Well, and it's not good either when the offense is almost hoping that the defense gets a turnover yeah. um, to help bail them out of situations. This is the second week in a row that that hasn't happened, even though we kind of thought that it would. Um, and wait, wait, wait. Which, just, uh, Illinois was the last game before this one. Sorry, I was thinking Michigan State. Oh, okay. I'm just, they couldn't turn Michigan State over, and they desperately needed to to try to get the ball back and put it in the end zone. I, I already annihilated that Illinois game from my head because it's, we look like crap. It's Illinois is that bad. Yeah, it is. It was absolutely meaningless. It gave us more false hope going into the bye week. And once again, Kirk Ferentz with extra time just didn't come up with a game plan that worked. No, wow. he didn't. And he hasn't been able to really all year. Uh, this is another thing that I was kind of going over. I was averaging like 21 points per game in Big Ten, and that's like seven. But if you take out that fourth quarter against Illinois, that average would yep. be 16 points per game, which would be tied with 12th uh, with Indiana and in the league. That's that's bad. That's really bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like getting into the business of if you take out this, if you take out that, because well, I think I said this on uh, – I forget where I said this. But, oh, I said this out loud at the, at the tailgate on Saturday. Somebody said, well, if you take away this from Northwestern, you know, they're doing this. And I was like, well, if you take Iowa's two losses away, they're undefeated. <laughs> so, I mean. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. But at the same time, like, Iowa's defense, who I feel so bad for because they're doing this bend-don't-break thing. Yes, they're giving up tons of yards. But they've put the offense in position to win these games. And – yeah, maybe at the same time, like that Iowa State game, we should have lost. Now ranked Iowa State, I should say. Ugh. Maybe we should have lost that one, and maybe this whole entire time, you know, this this offense has been doing it with smoke and mirrors. But once again, there was opportunities on the field. Huge drop passes by Nickley easily. I, I love the kid. He was super impressive the first couple weeks, but it's getting to the point now where what what's what's hurting this team by putting in Brandon Smith and Amir Smith Marset and getting like guys like Torn Young more more minutes on the field to at least get something on film that they could go building for cuz obviously this season's over with and we need to start looking towards the future cuz that's what Kirk Ferentz teams do they every 4 years they they're back again and that's coming up well i don't know if jordan got the snap counts yet cuz i know he hadn't finished rewatch the last time he and i talked but brandon smith played a pretty good amount of snaps in this one actually oh, did he? Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I he my... did go ahead go ahead 
Yeah, he definitely did, especially uh, the second drive um, of the second half. He played five straight snaps, and uh, Smith-Marset was on the field for the last three of those. And I I think another interesting thing is the fact that uh, TJ Hawkinson actually had more snaps than what Noah Fant did in this game. Um, not by a significant margin, but by enough that it was noticeable. And it was the same. It was the same last week too against Illinois. Is he's just getting on the field more? And I mean, I think that's kind of interesting because I mean, I like Hawkinson, but at the same time, like I think Fant kind of brings almost a little bit more explosiveness to the offense. Even though I think Hawkinson has those ability to make those plays, it's just it's it just kind of surprising to me, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it I'm wondering, and I hate that I even wonder this because. It doesn't do me any good. But Hawkinson's almost been the most sure-handed receiver out of the entire receiving core, running back, and tight end committee. And I know that, you know, somebody in the comments section this week talked about how good he was in high school, and it shouldn't be shocking to me. But I think we all kind of just thought he was going to be a blocker and that Noah Fant was going to be the one that was going to break out this year, um, especially when Iowa was putting out those videos in the, in the preseason of him kind of just streaking downfield and Stanley hitting him down on the sideline. But Hawkinson on that last play, I hate that I even think this, but I don't know if he drops it, and Iowa potentially is in position to win that game. Well, Hawkinson, I think I said this a couple weeks ago too, and then I know somebody said it in the comment section on your rewatch. Is that he, Hawkinson set tons of records as a high school uh, tight end for receiving. Like receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. He like was a he was an absolute monster. Uh, but I didn't think that he was going to get a chance to be ahead of Fant at this point. Like I, after what Fant showed us last year, I thought Fant was going to be the number one. And then I said this uh, before. I thought it was going to be like Wisniewski or uh, what's his name? Peter Picard. Uh, yeah, Picard. I thought one of those two was going to end up being tight end too. And that was going to be because they were going to try to get the blocking in there. And I didn't think that Hawkinson was going to honestly get much of a chance this year. But Hawkinson has, yeah, probably shown that he is a little bit more consistent than Fant. He's been getting around on, uh, he's been getting his head around more. He's looking for the ball. And I don't know if Fant always is. That's sad. Jordan, do you think that James Butler being out is the big thing that's hurting this Iowa offense at the end of the day? I really you just think that- Yeah, I, I really do. I, I really, really do. I, you know, in those first couple of games, we saw him, you know, kind of break up, you know, the monotony of like, you know, the, you know, the kind of outside stretch runs and, you know, they would give him a little bit more of the inside stuff. And, you know, he was kind of able to kind of bust open some holes. And then, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of have that thunder and that lightning back, you know, you have your, you know, big guy that can, you know, grind out two or three yards um, and then, you know, a carry and then, you know, break one for like seven or eight. And, you know, Wadley's great. Like, don't get me wrong, but, you know, trying to send him, you know, between the tackles every single play, it's just, you know, it, it's not working. And they, they tried to get him in space a couple times. You know, they, you know, little, you know, pitch out passes. There's one where he took a, you know, three yard loss. And then, you know, there, there's just a couple of the times they tried to give him a little space. But, you know, if you don't have that, you know, that, you know, the other, back that can, you know, kind of give the defense a little bit different look, you know, you, you're kind of missing out. And I, I think Torn Young can be that, but I just don't think he's, like, physically ready um, 
to really be handed the ball more than you know five, six, seven, eight times, you know, in, in a in a hard nosed Big Ten contest like you know what we've kind of seen. So you know, I kind of said this a couple weeks ago is that I really feel like you know if Iowa had James Butler, they probably would have beat Michigan State. I give them a better chance against Penn State, and they probably would have won this game too. So yeah, it's just one of those things. It's, it's you know injuries you know happen to everyone, but you know when it's a guy like that that you really expected to come in here and be you know a you know a star i guess you know if you want to you know go that far you know it's 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 hard to it's hard to overcome that yeah it's i'd say it's also hard when you know the the change of pace guy i mean it's not it could be uh kelly martin or it could be young it could be either of them but they're not giving anybody else a chance uh torin young had two carries in this game for four yards smith marset he ran twice on reverse one of them was Ugh, bad a, a terrible idea he got flipped. Uh, that was that was the one on. It was fourth down on that one, right? If I'm not mistaken. It was actually third down. Sorry. Third down. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew that it was essentially it was essentially a drive under. Yeah. Uh, that's what I heard. That whole drive. Those three plays in a row were all drive enders because they lost yardage on each and every one of those plays. Yeah. But he he carried the ball twice for six yards. Uh, both of those. So. Uh, or no, sorry, he netted four yards because one of those was a two-yard loss. My apologies. Uh, and then, it's like, you know, then you've just got Wadley running 26 times compared to four total from anybody else, not named Nathan Stanley, who uh, gained three yards running at one point. It's it's not great when, you know, you're running somebody who's noticeably and notably undersized uh, right into the line over and over and over again. It's just not going to work out. And, and when they're sending Akram Wadley up the gut, it's happened so many times this season that it's not a fluke anymore. That's just not where he excels. He needs to be out in space. He needs to be getting to the outside. And when it's when it's third and short or even second and short and sending Wadley trying to take him up a dive, it's not working. No. And that's where I, I, you know, I keep pining for Torrin Young, and that's probably where they wanted James Butler to be. But you don't got him right now. So get somebody else in there that can move the pile a little bit. That offensive line, if they can't push, and, and they're, they're supposed to be this otherworldly unit, if they can't push short enough to get either Stanley on a keeper to move the, to move the chains or get Torrin Young a little space to get in there, I, I mean, what are we doing? This is supposed to be the Iowa Hawkeye offense, and they can't, get, they can't push anybody off the ball. No, they averaged 2.7 yards per carry in this game. That's atrocious. They, they're averaging 3.5 now, I want to say, on the season. Something close uh, to that. It's, I know it was 3.7 on the way into this game. Uh, rush offense averaged. 3.5 yards per game, yep. That's, yeah, wow. Wow. That's all I have to say is wow. And I think part of the problem, too, is that they just try to, you know, go back to things that don't work. Um, you know, I, I kind of take a look at this in the in the uh, rewatch, but Iowa on one of their, on, on Iowa's second drive, um, they went into a 22 package, which is a, a running back, a fullback, two tight ends, and one wide receiver. And, you know, they, they got Wadley for 22. It was kind of a lucky play. Um, they kind of sold the pass pretty well. And, and Wadley was able to, to sneak by a couple linebackers who didn't read the play right. And, you know, he got a 22-yard gain. And then, and then they kept going back to this. You know, they, they threw out of it twice, once for seven, that fat 17-yard catch um, on the same drive, and then later um, their only uh, touchdown of the game. But th- they also went back to it um, like three plays in a row, basically. And 
you know, by the third time, you know, they switched up a little bit with a 13 formation. So they had three tight ends instead of just two. But by, by, the, by the third play, like Northwestern was reading it. And, you know, they, they knew it was coming and, and they expected it. And this kind of, I think, goes back to a lot of our gripes with the idea that, you know, I was doing so much that you can completely predict. And if you have an offense that's completely predictable and, you know, you, you can't out-physical them or out-technical you know technical them, you know, then you're just, you know, kind of SOL. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to say, when you when you switch, I mean, two tight ends, two running backs for Iowa, you, you mostly know that's going to be a run. More often than not, you're, they're going to try to run the ball. Two uh, running backs, three tight ends, if they pass the ball, I I will buy you a drink. Like, it's, it's it doesn't happen. You know, maybe like at the goal line, but they're not going to do that, you know, most of the time. And it's... I, I've been at a loss for words about this the entire time. After the game, I was just silent for, I think, like two minutes. And then I just said, well, that happened. <laughs> and that's all I had to say about the game. I was, it was awful. It was. All right. Well, let's, unless you guys got something else, let's kind of switch over into one of our favorite segments, and it's punt or go for it, where we kind of give out a hot take or two, and we all decide if we're going to go for it um, or if we're just going to punt it away and not. Um, I can go ahead and start with this because it's something that I've been thinking a lot of that if Iowa had average special teams in this game, they come away with a victory. Uh, no, I'll punt on that. I think, I think I'll go for it. I'm, you know, I, I think if, uh, Rikinos, you know, hits that, uh, field goal mm, yeah, and, you know, we get even anything out of the punt return game. Or if they don't give up the 80-yarder, Josh Jackson doesn't lose in the sun or whatever he was doing out there. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go for that one. Yeah, I forgot about the uh, missed field goal. Uh, I mean, I guess technically if he did hit that, Iowa would have won. So, or, you know, like, at, at least on the scoreboard at that moment, you know, they would have had the lead, so. And touching back on the on the Brandon Snyder Josh Jackson thing, I don't I don't really like calling for a guy's head, especially Jackson, who's played really well this season. But he just looks lost in in punt returns, and it's telling that Brandon Snyder went back or not Brandon Snyder, who a meerkat went back there for one one of them, and he actually got a return, a decent return. Yeah, it got called back because of block in the back, but there's just a difference there, and you you just can't give up those extra yards, especially if Iowa offense is going to struggle to put points on the board, you need that yardage to be able to flip the, the field again. And giving up that 80-yard punt was absolutely inexcusable. Yeah, Jackson looked competent at the beginning of the year. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of chances, but he he's averaging still seven yards per kicker or punt return. As long as 17, he's only returned five. So he's fair catching a lot of them, and he's letting a lot of them, you know, just bounce and roll. The one that he let bounce and roll on this one, that was... I have no idea why he let that happen because that was going to be their ball at like the 35-yard line or something like that. And it ended up being Iowa ball at like the 10. It's just it's crazy to me how much we miss Desmond King because I'm fairly sure Desmond finished with like the second most punt return yards in like the history of Iowa football. Like I'm, I'm not making that up. Like I, I went back and looked at it um, last year and it, it's just crazy to me how much we're really missing his, you know, even his like, you know, six, seven, eight yard, you know, gains that, you know, really, really kind of helped flip the field. I mean, he never returned one for a touchdown, but you know, he had plenty of really great returns. So to me, it's just kind of crazy how much we're missing him. And actually Riley McCarron too, he, he returned one last year against Illinois for a touchdown. So just yeah. kind of missing those guys. 
Yeah. Uh, Jerry, you, you're buying into what you said about them winning this game with better uh, uh, special teams? Yeah, I'm going for that one. I, I just – that was the one thing that I kind of came away with that just – Again, if it was just average, if they just did their job and hit the field goal and just kept you know the field position in Iowa's favor, that eventually they figure out a way to get in there. But it's not like the Iowa team against Iowa State where they kept getting pinned back at the 10-yard line and driving all the way up the field. That, that offense or that team is gone. They need to be able to have short fields to kind of move the ball, get Akron Wadley into some space, and I, you know that's – that's something that they should have been able to do against Northwestern, and it probably would have led to a win. Yeah, well, hey, on the on the uh, plus side, Iowa did punt the ball six times for an average of 53 yards. So, Yeah, I have no complaints over our punting. Punting was good this week. Punting was yeah. – punting should have been winning. Yeah, when they had to punt. You know, the couple times – every time that one of these teams punted, it actually resulted in some good things. And when they went for it on fourth down, not so much. Yeah. Can I – by the way, real quick – how how was a six five Stanley not able to go pick up a, a third in inches? It's a good question. Yeah, He's six foot five. I, I just don't understand how we can't just have a a push, a quick push to get him the first down. Yeah, that would have been you know good. Just sneak it. I've never seen a quarterback sneak not work. Has anybody here? I don't know if I've ever seen that happen. Not the least that comes to mind. Not the top of my head, no. Especially if it's Tom Brady running it. I don't know why teams don't do that more often where they just run up to the line and they just go. Yeah. Because the defense is never set. It's, I, I don't know if the last time I saw it not work for the Patriots. Now, granted, I know that it's, it's the Patriots. We're talking college football here. But with Iowa's offensive line and a 6'5 quarterback, you would think that they should be able to convert. Yeah. I've, I've seen Iowa uh, run a QB sneak many times, and I don't think I've seen them uh, fail at once in recent memory. I mean, if anybody listening knows of one that we don't know of, feel free to correct me, but it it's pretty much got like a 99% success rate. Absolutely. All right. Uh, All right, who's got the next hot take? Uh, I'll go. Uh, I had said this one earlier this year, and people disagreed with me, but uh, I'll come back to it now after a gut punch loss where the offense looked totally inept. Iowa is a five or six win team. I'll definitely go for that. I I don't I don't think they beat Minnesota this weekend. Honestly, I, I I really don't, and I don't know if they'll beat Nebraska. And I think they're going to lose to Wisconsin and Ohio State both. So that leaves Purdue. So yeah, so that's. Yeah, uh, probably Max. I'm probably going for it. Purdue lost to Rutgers this weekend, lost me money, and I'm sure half of Blackheart Gold Pants staff as well. Um, So that's not the the best for them. But Iowa just doesn't look competent on offense. And if you can't put points on the board, you're probably going to lose. Yeah, and Minnesota's defense, uh, for at least this upcoming, I guess we'll talk about Minnesota in a little bit. I don't want to get it too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, let's save that. Uh, Jordan, do you have anything? Do you have any hot takes you wanted to shout? Just one. Uh, Matt Vandenberg and Nate Stanley don't have good on-field chemistry. Go for it. I would believe that, yeah. I mean, they did connect on that 61-yarder this week, but you don't see Stanley go to him all too often. This week he had three catches, 90 yards inflated by the 61-yarder. Stanley's progression is Nick Easley, Akram Wadley, and then anything else. 
if he has that much time. I'd say that he probably has Fant in there before Wadley, but uh, Fant often is not ready for the ball. Wadley, especially. I was gonna say Wadley actually has more catches than Noah Fant this year, so. Yep. I would. I would I'd, I'd believe that. Yeah. All right, and then I did have one more. Uh, I have a couple too. Uh, uh, do you want to go then? Well, yeah. Um. Kind of just touch on the Nate Stanley thing. Nate Stanley only has a fastball, and that will eventually be his undoing as a starter for this offensive unit. I've been saying it for weeks. Uh, I, I think I'll punt on that one. Um, I, I, think he's, I think he's got a little more touch than you guys give him credit for. But No, he does. But I, 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 I think I'll punt on that one. Yeah, it's, it's you just... You can have touch, but if it's 10 yards touch, <laughs> I mean... I'm starting to worry. I'm ready. Like, if we went back to panic room and did that segment again, I would be jumping in the panic room with Jody Foster and hunkering down on this because I just – the fastball, when he, he zings it. Yeah. And there's only a certain amount of receivers on this team that look ready for it, kind of like what you just said, Max. No offense, never ready for it. And I, I, it's, it's really weird sometimes when he just, like, pops him in the face with it. Um, but, yeah, I – it's just I just don't see it. Like, yeah, he had that one off his back foot. This, he had two this week that looked all right, and you know, kind of moved the offense. Go figure. When you have a big play downfield, things happen for you. Wow, really shocker! But, yeah. I'm a little worried. Not a little. I'm a lot worried. Yeah, uh, that I'm going to touch on that one ball to Fant at the end. That he threw that in there hard. Hard. And Fant, Fant, yeah, Fant, well, Fant was wide open though. There was nobody on him for like four or five yards. If he had just put a little bit more touch on that one, I don't know if Fant catches it. But as you said, Fant has not shown that he can catch that uh, fastball this season for the most part. So especially at what like a five ten yard distance. Uh, but yeah, uh, I was I'll go in with my my next one. My next one's about the offensive line. Um, who do you think the and this is more of a question I guess than a take but do you think that the offensive line or Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz are more to blame for this inept offense Oof, that's a hard one you could pick any one of these three in my opinion and, and be right um, because you can you can blame Kirk a lot of people are saying that he's not giving Brian Ferentz the leash to go and be creative but then Brian was creative like we mentioned earlier in that one drive and it was bad it resulted in three negative plays um and then the offensive line as we mentioned they just aren't getting a push off the ball i i think you can go for all three of these and be correct yeah i i'd agree i think alaric jackson's actually had a really bad year and 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 i don't think um uh james daniels has really had a very good year either honestly i mean i i think they're both you know actually i think i mean i think james is still a good player but uh, I, I really don't. I haven't really seen very much from Alaric that you know gives me a whole lot of uh, you know hope going forward. I guess. I mean, I mean, he's still young, and maybe you know he'll probably get better. But you know, still, that's that, that, that's a little concerning, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it's always everybody's fault. You can't just blame one person. Uh, the offense, it's unma- unimagin- unimaginative. However, it was always unimaginative during like the Greg Davis years, and Iowa still managed to rush for, what, like over five yards per carry every single uh, every single year on average. So, I mean, it's it's definitely, you got to talk about the offensive line and how they've underperformed because they have not looked good 
I don't know how many times that I've like looked at MNW and was just like, ah, oh, it's all right. Run up the middle, Wadley, two yards. Run up the middle, Wadley, two yards. Next play, all right. They're gonna run up the middle, Wadley, two yards. Run to the right, Wadley, two yards. You know, but like, it's predictable, but. The offensive line usually can still get a push. It's an Iowa offensive line. You want it to get that push. They're just not being physical this year. They're, they look very soft. That's a great word for it. Yeah, I agree. They just look soft half the time. Uh, did you have another one? One more? I got, I got two more, actually. Okay, cool. And this one, I'm going for it all the way. The Raider package is an absolute gimmick, and Big Ten coaches, the film is out. They'll have it figured out, and if Iowa marches out, that quarterback's just going to go running right through one of those gaps for 10 yards every time. Uh, this was the first week that they used it all season, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it confused Northwestern the first time they did it, and then after that, it didn't really bother North, the Wildcats anymore. Uh, this is a hard one for me. I'll, I'll probably go for it, but like Iowa's nickel and dime packages here have been atrocious. Like atrocious and I I, I don't have I don't have it right in front of me right now but you know I I was looking at it and it was like teams were getting you know on second or third down they were getting first downs when I went to the nickel or wildcat like or nickel or dime almost like like 60% of the time I think which is terrible (laughs) like really really bad so I don't know Um, I I think I I, I don't know on that one I really don't I don't know what's does does Kevin Ward uh Count as uh, defensive back? Does he? Does he make that nickel? <laughs> uh, yeah, he almost. It almost seems like it. Almost. Seems yeah, like I'll, I'll. I'll probably. I'll punt on it because last year, uh, Iowa had so much success with it. But in the limited amount of action it's gotten this year, it has not fared well. No. And my last one: Iowa fans should only go in every season, assuming Iowa will go seven and five, nothing more. Nothing less, and we will all be more happy. They don't already. <laughs> I mean, I guess we. No, according to the comment section, everybody freaking out. No, I don't think that anybody does. Yeah, I mean, I generally think Iowa. I generally, my expectation going into a season is Iowa eight and four. This year, I think that in the predictions, I said seven and five, and then I even texted Jordan afterwards and was like, "I am not even this optimistic about it. I think that this is like a six and six team, but, yeah." Uh, I think eight and four is usually where I'm at expectations wise. This year was a little bit less, just with a new quarterback, uh, without any wide receivers that were you know really established, other than the one coming back from major injury. Uh, yeah, seven and five, eight and four. I mean, yeah, that's what history has told you to expect. Seven and five, eight and four, and a bowl loss. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't do this. Not now. Uh. You know they're two and eight in their last ten bowl games. I think. I think someone threw out that stat. They haven't won since two thousand and ten. Yeah. yeah. We sound really negative and awful, and I'm so sorry to everybody listening. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, but it's the same thing. I saw it all. I saw it all on Twitter. I saw it in the comments section. I saw it with people that have called me and talked to me after the game. Kirk Ferentz, after with extra time, just doesn't perform. It's weird. It's, it is weird. It is. Super weird. Well. He won't have time this week because we're going right into North or God Northwest. We're going right into Minnesota week and we are playing those funky boat rowers. And I don't really know what to expect 
aesthetically pleasing. I don't know if I think we're gonna probably get the same type of game. It's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be a slugfest, and we're gonna see a lot of bad fourth down conversions. And one of these teams is gonna win an ugly game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'm not super confident going into this one. I don't know about you guys. Oh no, not at all. Not not even a little bit. Minnesota's a bad team, but um, it's it's hard to be confident after what we've seen from this offense. Yeah. Well, it's like I'm pretty sure Minnesota's in the midst of like kind of a quarterback controversy too a little bit. Uh, Connor Rhoda and Demery Croft have both you know seen significant time for him this year and you know, yeah both throwing a lot of interceptions. But you know, is, is Iowa gonna be able to pick them off? Like that, that that's a good question. Yeah, because, I mean, we've gone into, I think, almost every one of these games just assuming that the Iowa defense is going to force a turnover or two, and that's going to be the edge that Iowa needs to win the game. But it's starting – they're just not playmakers like that. I think that there are bend, don't break, keep everything in front of you, but I don't trust this defense to go and do that anymore. So banking on Connor Rota throwing it up, yeah, he's got five touchdowns to four interceptions, but – until Iowa starts turning this ball over more and or, or actually, like, tackling, <laughs> I don't know if they know how to do that without just throwing their shoulder into the dude and maybe knocking the ball out. Um, banking on that's kind of silly. And you're going to – you're gonna your expectations of that happening are going to lead to you being very upset. Yeah, I mean, I still do have faith in the defense. Um, I mean, they've got great players all over the uh, field on defense, especially up front. But – it's they're gonna get tired if this offense can't sustain drives. They did this week. Northwestern didn't really get anything going in the first half. In the second half, I don't know if it was adjustments or what. I mean, but the Wildcats they were able to move the ball pretty efficiently, especially in the second half. And I I want to say that it's probably because they got a little bit tired. They were on the field a whole lot. Yeah. I I also think too that and don't get me wrong. I I think Iowa has. A really solid defense. I just don't know if people there that you know can make those type of plays in you know big time moments. But the, they're going to have to keep a, a close eye on Tyler Johnson. If he comes out kind of like what Michigan State did, and they start picking on a couple of our corners, and he, I mean he's uh, he's their best receiver. He's their leading receiver. He's got seven touchdowns on the season. That's the guy that I'm a little worried about Iowa keeping up with, especially if Minnesota comes out guns blazing in Iowa City just to put some points on the board quick. Yeah, I mean, the defense I'm not super worried about. They're, they've, they're allowing like 18 points per game. Uh, is that what you said, 18 in the Big Ten, Jordan? Oh, uh, yeah, they're, yeah, no, actually 21. Um, or no, 21. They, they, they've scored 21. I, I don't have the defensive stats in front of me right now. Gotcha. I mean, over the season, they're allowing, yeah, over the season, they're allowing 18 points per okay. game. That includes the 41 uh, points they gave up to. Iowa State. Uh, I'm not really worried about the defense. They've been bending, bending atrociously. It's looked very, very bad at times, but they haven't allowed a lot of teams to score, and, I mean, there is some optimism there, right? Yeah. <laughs> the offense is what I'm worried about. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I was looking, I'm on BigTen.org right now, and Minnesota is better defensively in every statistical category than Northwestern in everything except for opponents' fourth-down conversions. And that's only because Northwestern is first in the conference and allowing other teams to convert. 
every single statistical category, Minnesota is better than them. It's it's pretty crazy, actually. Because Minnesota's terrible. Or at least that's the general thought, is that the Minnesota Gophers are the one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. And they are pretty middle of the pack in all statistical categories. Yep, so it's going to be a really fun game. <laughs> <laughs> At 6.30 p.m. in a weird Ugh. time. Yeah, I, that's all I really have. I don't, I, I'm honestly going into this thinking that I will, will, will probably lose. All right, so are we doing predictions? Is that, is this our prediction time? <laughs> this is the point of the show where we do this? I, I think, unless you guys got more thoughts on Minnesota right off the top. Do you think that the Gophers are going to be able to run the ball at will against Iowa? What's to stop you from thinking yes at this point? Yeah. Because teams have been running really well in Iowa. People have been putting up yards. It's the, can they get in the end zone, I think, is the question for me. Yeah. And I, I probably not. Maybe once or twice and get a field goal. That's why, I mean, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll give my prediction right now. I think Minnesota is going to win this thing 20-17. to 17. I'll say Minnesota. Good grief. Are we all, we're all going to end up picking Minnesota, aren't we? Oh, no, I, I won't. Okay, well, good. I'm glad that someone has... Honestly, I'm Jordan. I'm going for the the reverse jinx because I've picked Iowa every week on this podcast <laughs> and it's not working out for me. So I'm hoping that I, if I do this, that maybe, maybe something. That's will not true. You picked Northwestern this past week. The coin made you. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I went to a coin. Yeah, the so coin flip. Yeah. Well, uh, I picked Northwestern last week, and the kind of the similar reason to uh, you know no reverse jinx, but I also want to get one up on y'all and uh, the the big 10 pickums, but um i don't know I, it's still hard i like i i think iowa this could be one of those iowa games where they come out and they just you know rip into someone because you know they're coming off two bad losses and you know despite what you know whatever you want to say i i, I think kirk ferentz is a good motivator and and gets his players you know angry about playing other teams and you know it's for floyd and it's a trophy game and i, I think they'll be up I just, you know, how up is Minnesota going to be too? You know, are they going to be able to, you know, match Iowa's intensity? And and I think if Iowa comes out and really, you know, scores a touchdown on their first drive or, you know, gets, you know, a big stop against Minnesota um, on, on their first drive, I, I really think that they, they could take that momentum and a night game at Kinnick and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff and, you know, turn it into, you know, a, a pretty big, a pretty big and pretty easy win. But if they don't, I think Minnesota wins this game like 24, 20 or, you know, something stupid like that. And like Iowa has a chance to win at the end of the game, but you know, they, they come up short and we all end up disappointed again. All right. Uh, I'm going to pick Iowa to win this one. So last year after the uh, awful Penn state loss, everybody rode off the Hawks. You know, they came out, they were terrible in all facets of the game. This week they were good. In, this week, uh, I guess Northwestern are good at defense, but uh, offensively, last year they weren't any good against Penn State. They weren't any good this past week. And everybody wrote off the Hawks and were like, well, this is a lost season. The season is over. Who cares anymore? Everybody wanted to be angry. And then they came out and they won three straight games to end the season. They beat Michigan, who was ranked. They beat Illinois, who's bad. They beat Nebraska badly in Kinnick. Uh, and you know what? I think that whenever you count out the Hawks, 
that's kind of when they come back and you know they're like hey we're gonna do this we haven't given up yet and i just feel like that's kind of a i feel like it's kind of a hallmark of fairness teams is a lot of teams after like really bad losses like that i was lost three or four but i feel like kirk fairness led teams don't really just kind of roll over and die at least not in recent memory. Maybe the 2012 team did, but that team was also historically bad for Iowa football under Kirk Ferentz, not minus years one and two. Uh, I'm going to pick Iowa to win this one 14-13. Wow, you heard it here, folks. Max, not only is picking them to beat Minnesota, but he's probably already picking them to beat Ohio oh, State. Oh, they, they, they already have. <laughs> oh, dear. We're going to win every game for the rest of the season. And they get nine and three. Here we come. I like the optimism. Yeah, it's... those are going to be some very interesting games for them. To How win. long did it take me to uh, flip? I said I was a five or a six win team, probably a six win team, and here I am again, uh, predicting nine and three. That's like that's like yeah, we're. That's like that, that's like twenty minutes, man. Like <laughs> that's a that's a hell of a switch. You know what? I've talked myself into it. For now. Until next week when we talk about the Minnesota game again. <laughs> and then how poorly we're going to play against Ohio State. That's that's the game after this one, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Ugh. Two home games in a row, Minnesota and then Ohio State, and then going to Wisconsin. How much do you think tickets are going to be going for uh, to these games? Like, I mean, like on the secondary market. I don't know. Do you think that uh, like people are this that pessimistic about this team right now that the ticket prices have already fallen off? Uh, no, probably. Forty nine dollars on StubHub uh, for Minnesota. Still, there's still eighty four for the Ohio State game. One hundred for the game at Camp Randall. Yeah, no people people still care. They're they're angry, but people still care. And you know what? That's 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 at least good. The apathy isn't here yet. 34 for Purdue, so if you guys just want to wait, that might go down a little bit too. I kind of think that says kind of a lot about Iowa fans, though, too. Like, you know, I, I was kind of talking about this um, in the morning after. You know, it's like we're, we're probably never going to see some truly awful, like, empty stadium picks of Kinnick. Um, you know, like what you see, you know, in Nebraska after the second half or, like, you know, Missouri or any of those teams that just have just gone downhill really quickly. So, I mean, credit to credit to Iowa fans that they're willing to, you know, pay to watch whatever it is Kirk Ferentz decides to put in the field. But, you know, hey, at least people are going. At least people are still supporting and stuff. And, I mean, I, I think that says something. Yeah, I've been to two games personally where the stadium has emptied out in a hurry. That, was, that weren't against, like, Louisiana A&M. Or something like that. One of them was against Pitt in 2011, where they actually ended up coming back and winning. Uh, and the stadium emptied out pretty early in the third quarter. And then that Penn State game under the night uh, under the lights in 2012, I went from like the top of the student section, and I ended up just kind of walking down to the first row in the middle of the fourth quarter, and just sitting there and wondering why I was still there. <laughs> But, so, I mean, yeah, Iowa fans, they they always show up and support the team, at least most of them. You could expect to see Kinnick, you know, like 90% full for these games, at least. So, 
credit to the fans for sticking around. They stick around and they stick together, which brings me to our last point before they close this up. If any of you out there want to share you know, your, your Big Ten Plus password and login information, I'd be glad to see it because we have hoops coming back this week. Yeah, exhibition game against uh, William Jewell College, yeah. the pride of, of the Midwest. I don't know. William Jewell College. Let's talk about him. <laughs> um, I don't even know where they're at. I just looked oh, it up. Uh, Liberty, Missouri. The pro- oh, they're sponsored by Pizza Ranch, so some things in common. Yeah, Pizza Ranch, delicious pizza. If there's nothing else around. Dude, we have a Pizza Ranch out here, which I was in completely about shock about when I first drove into town. I did not expect a Pizza Ranch in the middle of Montana. I'll tell you that. Fun facts. Oh, fun fact for that. Also, another fun fact, they're in Adidas school, so watch out. Might be some shady things going on with that basketball team. You never know. Street pl- th- uh, three-stripe life. But, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> Hoops is back for all those that are a little depressed. You know, you get, you get a game this week on Friday. You get another one next Thursday, and then it's officially the season. So who knows what might happen this weekend against Minnesota, but just know one of the best Iowa basketball teams in our, my history of being a fan is about to come circling around the corner to save your optimism, my optimism personally. But it's here, guys. I'm so, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I think people are way too down on this team. I think Ken Palm had him at like 54th or something. Or that's that's actually I see. I think that's about right. You think so? Yeah, I'd say that the Ken Palm ranking is about right. I don't think that there's nine teams in the Big Ten that are better than them, but you know that's that's a tournament team. That's not a fringe tournament team. That's you know that's pretty solid. I'd say for a tournament team is 54. I just don't understand why people are putting Wisconsin ahead of us. No, there's so much hype about Wisconsin, and it's just because it's the name brand. You know, like, you could take anybody and say that they're going to be really good. Michigan under uh, Rich Rod, when they, back when they lost to Appalachian State and, like, the years after that, they started every season ranked because it was Michigan football, and they were atrocious. USC usually gets the benefit of the doubt, et cetera, et cetera. It's just the name brand. Wisconsin's consistently good, and so you, they expect Wisconsin to be good. So, yeah, he's like, Wisconsin's what, three in Ken Palm? Unless Ethan Hamp t- turns into, like, Lori Markkinen <laughs> from Arizona last year. I don't know how that happens. No. I don't. I, I don't either. They don't, there are a bunch of bench pieces. Who was it that said that they scored? Uh, I just saw this before we started the pod. That uh, people not named uh, Ethan Hap that are going to be playing in this in their home opener or in their opening game, they scored three points in their final game last season against Georgia. Yikes! Yeah, so there's nobody there that played from last uh, from last year. A lot of unknowns. A lot of unknowns, but an exciting season nonetheless. I think people are going to be pretty pleased with the, the product that they see on the court this year. Yeah, i I got to make it back to Iowa City for some games so that I could be told to sit down and stop cheering. <laughs> that's a topic for another pod. <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to shut it down. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Pants Party. We beg of you to go onto iTunes, leave us a five-star rating, give us a review. Roast us. As a, Roast us, yeah. please. Talk do. about how much you hate me. King's Cowboy Hat already did. <laughs> yeah, talk. I mean, the, that's all we have up there right now is King's Cowboy Hat and JP and I see who can't figure it out or either his son got a hold of his phone and kept leaving reviews. Who knows? It could be either <laughs> way at this point. 
But go on there. It helps us out tremendously. Almost help, it'll also help us get some ads. So maybe Pizza Ranch can call us. And we can do an awesome little uh, rendition of that for you guys. Yeah, we could but, sing a, um, a Pizza Ranch jingle. That'd be fun. I am down for singing. I, you guys heard me do a little of the Maui stuff earlier this year. So I'm definitely down for that. Um, but for Jordan Hansen, for Max Brecky, my name is Jerry Sherwin. We'll talk to you all soon. Go Hawks. Bye.